everyone. Welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. As a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. Andy Martinez here joined by Lance Brozdowski. Lance. Andy, what's up? First week of first week of camp, what are your what are your initial impressions of what you've seen so far? I, I think there's a lot of development that's been done yeah. on a variety of fronts, whether it be the hitting side that we saw some pretty drastic improvements with yeah. um, from 20 to 21, and then we see into 22 was big. And then now I think you're starting to see a lot of development, especially with some upper-level pitchers. I think most organizations, when they get guys into the system from other organizations, they might kind of back off and let the guy get comfortable. But yeah. the offseason is really the time where the guys can put in work, and I think we've seen a lot of the fruits of that recently. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I think the, the second half of last year was the, the prime example, right? Drew Smiley goes down. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Drew Smiley goes down. Justin Steele goes down. And, and you're thinking, who's going to cover these innings? And you have guys that, like Hayden Wesneski, Javier Assad that come up and and deliver quality outings. That at, 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 In the second half of last year, the Cubs had the third-best starter ERA in all of baseball, yeah. behind only the Dodgers and Astros, which if you're trying to build a pitching assembly, yeah, those are two, two teams that would be good behind. <laughs> it might be good to cheat <laughs> off the, the test, the proverbial test of the Dodgers right. and Astros. But, no, you're spot on. I think we're seeing – now, I don't want to say it's becoming a problem, but you're starting yeah. to see that they have so many, so few roles for so many arms that you're starting to get into kind of interesting battles as to how they want to deploy that fifth starter. Whether I don't know if it's been talked about going to yeah. a sixth, but you've seen other orgs do that when they have right. a plethora of guys. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're just going to have more of that this year where if there's injuries, there's guys to back it up, and there's names that we probably even haven't heard right. succeeding. And, and I think that's that's the, the first thing I really want to get into. Is David Ross made no secret of it. We knew it was, it was a real – competition that fifth starter yeah. spot he, what are you looking at in that fifth starter spot obviously some names that he suggested Wisniewski Assad Samson what are you going to be looking at in, in terms of that fifth starter battle and, and who could potentially emerge yeah my guess is it's Wisniewski but that's going off of probably a bust of me really enjoying conversations with him and yeah. thinking he's really sharp I also think he's just a really good pitcher yep. his slider in terms of execution is one of the the best in baseball and generally pitches that move that much aren't ones that are executed too yep. well so he has a really innate ability to do that I think that's a product of potentially him having the same grip on that pitch for a really long time for mm-hmm. two to three years he was telling me so that's encouraging you know coming into this I was like that's probably the guy that I would pick and I'd be surprised if anyone takes it and then we ran into Samson today he had a scrum and he talked about how he was on a velo program yeah. which I think was also the product of 21 to 22 for him he had a velo jump in those two years and right if we're expecting another velo jump for him incrementally as you get over like 93 94 miles per hour you start to see much more drastic gains that's kind of the target so if he could sit 94 5 6 consistently which might be aggressive yeah I think that's a, a really strong case for a guy like that, especially without options, yeah. for them to take that role and run with it and see how far he can take and it. And I think that's the most important thing for, for, for Adrian Samson is that he's out of options, right? And yeah. if he pitches well, it's gonna be it's almost impossible to leave him off the roster in some capacity, now, whether that's a, a long relief role or, or a fifth starter. The other thing, too, is that the first two weeks of the season are always a little wonky, right? You have the, the opening day, you have the day off, then you get into the meat, and I think of meat of the schedule, and then I think there's another day off or two in that the first two weeks that you might not necessarily need a fifth starter in the first yeah. two weeks, but you also can't just, you know, let Adrian Sampson walk away, especially if he's pitching like he did last year, which, you know, was was a pretty successful major league pitcher. Yeah, no, that's spot on. I, I'd be curious to see how they deploy the starters early. I don't know if they'd go to four man rotation. That seems a little aggressive, but they do have a really yeah. tough April schedule, right? Right, right. right. run into the AL West in Wrigley Field, two of those teams, the Texas Rangers and the Seattle Mariners. They get, I think, the Dodgers pretty they early. Go to, too. They, they go to LA like, early that's, on. That's tough. That's tough off yeah. the top, and it might be a reason to go towards more of your stronger four as opposed to thinking your fifth week. But right. at the same time, I don't think that fifth starter would. No, 
no, be I don't think so at all. Team. Yeah, so, yeah. And that's the thing too is as we we saw last year, you know, someone like Javier Assad can emerge and, and give you quality yeah. innings. That he'll be in the conversations. He'll be pitching at the WBC for Team Mexico in a high awesome. high yeah. pressure environment. And, and there's some other guys, right? That that could, are you, there, are there any non roster guys? David Ross mentioned there's some non roster guys, non roster invitees that could play themselves into the role. Are there any that you maybe you're keeping your eye on in that sense? Yeah, we saw Cam Sanders today. Yeah, uh, he's more of a guy I think I see as a reliever just because the command on him, especially last year, hasn't been too strong. Yeah. Um, but he looked really good, and he does have more of a starter's mix where he throws four or five pitches. Yeah. He's got a slider and a curveball. He dropped a couple nasty splitters in today along with two fastballs. So that's kind of a guy that I, I could kind of maybe see in that starter role in some right. capacity. But I don't know if it's someone that can turn the lineup over a ton or he'd probably run in some walk problems. But even if not that, maybe he's more of like a Keegan Thompson-style multi-inning reliever. Yeah. There's a chance I think he could pop. There's a lot of other relievers on the backside too that I think are really interesting to me. Tyler Duffy, Julian Merriweather, a lot of these guys that – you know, are coming from other organizations with past histories of success, but haven't found it, say, in the yeah. last two or three years, or one to two years in some of those cases. And uh, those are kind of maybe more the non-roster guys that I, I'm more attracted to from a could they make an impact standpoint. Yeah, and I think the name, the name that stood out, stood out to me was Rowanis Elias, right? Yeah. He is He's a very interesting guy. Had a, had a live BP not too long ago here at, at Sloan Park, and Tommy Hodby was highly praised had a lot of praise for him excuse me in terms of what he can do and what he can bring he's being stretched out because he's representing team cuba in the wbc that they want him to be able to pitch in multi-innings in the dominican winter league he was phenomenal seven yeah, starts yeah. 39 innings 0.92 era that's that's a name i'm going to be watching that i think could potentially you know whether it's a, as a starter role whether it's a keegan thompson like yep. reliever or or just a, a bullpen guy i think that's a guy that could could end up turning some heads by by the time camp's all said and done i'd be surprised if we don't see him this year uh, yeah i think that you're spot on with that yeah and, and getting into the 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 front end of the rotation sure. jameson tyone's a guy that spoke just recently this week as camp opened up he mentioned he got a new slider grip so mm -hmm. you talk to him i'm not going to try to get into like the nerdiness <laughs> of it that you could do way better than i than i can but What's the crux of, uh, yeah. of the new slider grip that Jamison Tyon's deploying? I think the main takeaway from it is that you don't actually have to think slider out of hand okay. to throw a slider with horizontal movement and sweep. That's right. the grip that they're using is this two-seam slider that if you see it, it almost kind of looks like a two-seam fastball, but yep. the guys are generally on the inside part of the seams that they can create some leverage and turn over the pitch. The idea is to allow the guy to have this grip, take a guy who can throw a curveball, naturally given this grip have him cue curveball in his head think curveball mm -hmm. and then allow the grip in the seams to do some of the damage in terms of adding a little bit of lift to the pitch so guys are under it more but also adding a lot of that lateral movement it's also pitch the journey you could keep kind of hard you probably want it more so in like the 81 to 83 tyon said he wants his more like 83 to 85 the more you add that velocity the slightly harder it makes it a command but at the same time the better it's going to grade out on like a stuff model that tries yeah. to predict how pitches will perform based on some of the underlying metrics but that's, in my opinion, the main point of the pitch. And there's a lot of guys who throw different kinds of sweepers. This particular grip that you're seeing Anthony Kay, Jameson Tyone, Julian Merriweather kind of incorporate is one that allows them to do this easier than, say, a guy like Hayden Wisniewski, who also throws what you'd classify as a sweep and swat slider, but doesn't throw with the grip that they're giving everybody else. Right, right. Because of various reasons. Maybe it's just how his arm path works. It could also just be a grip he's had for a while, as I mentioned. Right. You know, there's subtleties to it. It's more like trying to achieve a certain profile, and then we're seeing that this grip is the easiest way to achieve that profile. And, and the, I think the impressive thing about the whole new grip is that his slider that he had before wasn't a bad pitch. It's not yeah. like he's like had a – it was like a, a throwaway pitch that it's like, sure. oh, maybe we – it was a pretty decent pitch. It was. He manipulated a bit, too. 
too. He kind of had a more slidery, more cuttery at times. I think he's going to try to retain more of that cuttery variety and sure, sure, complement sure. the slider with that, which I think is really important in terms of having those pitches play off each other and creating what you'd call like almost a bridge pitch, so to speak, mm-hmm. between multiple pitches in a repertoire. But, yeah, I th- the thing he said to me that I thought was interesting is a lot of these pitches, they're hard to command, right? right. Like the average slider zone rate, how often you put your slider in the zone is right around 44%. In Major League Baseball, I believe for sweepers, generally they're lower. Like you see right. a lot of guys in the minors throwing them in the zone less than 40% of the time. And that's it's tough to make it usable pitch that a hitter's really going to respect. Right. So a guy like Tyon was talking about how his general sight on his old slider was middle down. So he'd think middle down, let the pitch take it to the outer third. Mm-hmm. With the new slider, because it's moving so much horizontally, that's good for two strike counts. Like sure. He's able to put that pitch in the spot that he wants in two strikes off the plate. But right. if he wants to use it in a one strike count or early in the count, say, oh, or even like be aggressive and go maybe 1 0 with it, yeah. like he's got to kind of change his look on the pitch. And it seems like he's still kind of working through that. Right. And, and, and the, the the other takeaway I, I, I took from the pitch is that like this is still a work in progress. Like he mentioned, yeah, for sure. he, he mentioned there's some days where it's like, wow, this is going to be a new weapon for me. And then he, there's other days where he's like, what am I doing? Yeah. And the, the, his first live BP that he threw just a couple of days ago here at camp was was I think the prime example of that where he's facing uh, I can't remember if it, if it was uh, I think it was Nico Horner in in his final final live BP and he throws the slider and he misses he mm-hmm. m- pulled it got it way into the other uh, other batter's box and he looks at Jan Gomes and he's like let's do another one like yeah. we, we got to throw another one he threw it in the zone ended the bullpen there Nico wasn't in the box but I think that's that's the other thing too is right it's not like with a new pitch, you're not just like, oh, like, let me change the grip, and, you know, yeah. everything's all done and, and, and set in stone. No, no, I think you're spot on with that. I think it's it's a repetition thing, and I also think that getting into game action is going to be very mm-hmm. important. I think, you know, you could do as many live BPs as you want where you could kind of roll and do a mulligan on that right, pitch, right? right? But if you're in a game, that is not going to happen. So right. spring training, I think spring training games are going to be huge to see the development of all these guys throwing this particular kind of pitch. How many guys are getting in the zone? Is that consistent batter-to-batter? Like, that is – really I think the point where you're going to start to see maybe it become more of a weapon for some guys and maybe not for others. What do you think that this could do to uh, Jamison Tyon as a pitcher? I mean obviously when he was when he was brought over when he signed as a free agent you kind of knew you were getting a really good front of the rotation starter. Do you think this could take his his uh, his value even higher than, than what the Cubs expected? I think so. I think it's a weapon that he's primarily going to use versus righties. I think he'd probably prefer the cutter to the lefties. Obviously you're going to try to maybe mix it into lefties. This is just all my assumption too. I'm not, sure, I'm sure, not sure. no information here in terms of talking to him, but generally that is going to work really well in terms of inducing swing and miss to right-handed hitter. So my expectation of it would be that he's been like a sub 8K per 9 guy, so 8 strikeouts per 9 innings. Um, he's been below that mark I think for 2 years. He was above 8 for a little bit. My expectation would be particularly versus righties. I think because of the addition of this pitch, you'd see a little more swing and miss, especially towards the bottom of lineups. Yep. Um, how well he can command that pitch, I think, is the variable that you play with in terms of how much the strikeouts jump. I, my prediction is maybe he's more like an, a low eight caper sure, nine guy. Sure. Like you see that jump up, and you're like, okay, good. Like you're you're not allowing as much weak contact. You're generating a lot of whiffs. Like we like that. We think that maybe drops the ERA. The byproduct would be like, does the command waver and does the walk sure, do the walks sure. come up? And is that a trade off the Cubs want to make? Do they want to? Are they okay with the strikeout hand walk rate going up if he's putting less balls in play? Right. But at the same time, you have such a good defense, such a good infield. Exactly. I'm really interested to see if there's a situation where like he kind of maybe just doesn't throw this pitch down. Like we saw this with Keegan Thompson. Keegan Thompson added the exact same pitch. Yeah. Um, I think he had a slightly different variation on the grip, but if I remember correctly, but he had really tr- he had a lot of trouble commanding yeah, that. There was a lot of times where he would throw it just and you're like, wow, that's a box. Yeah. Or, or yeah, spike it. Like there's times where you see it and you're like, wow, that's a really good pitch. And then there's times where it's, you know, spiking two feet yeah. in front of the plate. And if you're doing that in the game, like I think that really throws you off a little of your yeah. confidence in the pitch. It's hard to reestablish that pitch. Right. So 
I think that's going to be huge. I really am interested to see the application of this pitch to actual game action against sure. non-teammates. That's something I think matters a lot. So we talked about a new pitcher. There's there's a new position player that just signed recently at the middle of uh, sure. pitchers and catchers reporting. Edwin Rios was, was signed to a major league contract. Very interesting signing, right? Came from the Dodgers, was hurt a lot. This was a prospect that when he – or excuse me, a player that when he was a prospect was known for his power as a left-handed bat – what do you make of the signing? Where, where do you think he kind of fits in, in with the Cubs? Yeah, I think it's kind of maybe more of a DH. You know, there's not a lot of track record on how well he plays their base. Sure. Um, so the question that becomes, like, how much of a defensive sacrifice do they want to make on, to gain his offensive upside, which was, I think, kind of exceptional. I talked to another individual in an organization, and they said, like, yeah, this is a great signing. Like, yeah. It's shocking that another team didn't pick him up. Like, he's a really good bat. We saw him take left, left, Drew Smiley, cutter out to center field today. That was the easy barrel. I thought he hit that ball really hard, 400-plus yeah. feet. Like, he looks pretty locked in, and I think it's a bit of thump that the organization might want. Yeah. You know, it becomes really interesting to see how the right-handed lineup looks. They're facing a right-handed starter. Right. What is the optimal lineup? My assumption right now is you see a guy like Bellinger in center. Third base is interesting. Like, if you think you could take the, the defensive sacrifice on a guy like Rios, if he's maybe more basically slightly below average. I'm not saying he's a terrible right, defender. Right, right. We don't really know. But do you take the upside of having him against a righty? And then do you go Mancini at first base with Hosmer in the DH role or something along those lines? Yeah. And really get some lefties in there to combat right-handed uh, pitching. That's and, kind of the interesting model of, like, where do you see him fit against a righty? And, um, and, and I yeah. think the the, the turn, uh, the, the, the opposite side of that is what are you facing, right? If you're facing a predominantly left-handed lineup, then you maybe if, if you if his defense isn't up to par to maybe Patrick Wisdom or Christopher Morrell, for example, at, at third sure. base, you can get away with it because there's probably not going to be too many balls hit his way. The interesting thing to me is what David Ross mentioned, that he loves the versatility on the bench, sure. right, where if he needs a contact bat, if, the, if it's a tie game and there's a runner on third with less than two outs, you have the option of a contact bat. If you need you know, some thump to, to try and extend the lead to put up a crooked number, you can go to someone like an Edwin Rios. I think the, the versatility that they're, they're creating on the bench is, is really important because a lot of times we didn't see that last year from the Cubs in terms yeah. of, like, who David Ross could turn to uh, off the bench. Yeah, we really only saw that with a guy like Morrell where he could play yeah. anywhere, and that was it. But right. a guy like Morrell is really valuable, but, you know, you never know. You run into injuries, right. and then what happens if you don't have right. Morrell? What happens if you don't have the versatility? So, as you're saying, building up multiple guys with the versatility is, is really important for sure. Another uh, big takeaway from camp that, that was uh, – a probably the quote of the week so far was Brennan Davis, right? Mm. Where he spoke to the media, he's here in camp. We know his struggles in 2022 with injuries and, and the bad luck that kind of came from there. But the, 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 his quote was, I'm, I'm not here to not make a team, right? He's yeah. competing to try and make yeah. the major league roster. So what are the chances do you think that he could make the roster? I and mean, what do you think he has to do to, to, to put himself in that conversation? Yeah, I, it's an interesting question as to whether he, he can maybe rank the roster. I think they're so flushed out in the outfield that it, it's yeah. tough to see where he'd fit. I think even if he hits really well, he probably goes back to AAA. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's okay. I think that's almost maybe a bit of the expectation. Right. But I, I, as, as him, like you just want to put up what you were doing you know, right. a year removed from last year, so 2021. He does anything resembling 2021, even if it's like 90 95%. Like, you're looking at a future outfielder for the organization. Yeah. And I loved his bat. Everyone loved his bat. Everyone loved his thump. It's just a matter of that coming back. You saw at the end of last year some of the batted ball data took a bit of a hit, and I think that was just a product of them wanting maybe to just get him back in games and see how he looked. And it was clear that he kind of suffered a little bit from my perspective on the batted ball side of things. Yeah. But the approach was still there, and I think that's the key. So if you get a little bit back of that strength, a little back of the batted ball profile, hitting the ball a little bit harder, hitting the ball at the right angles, and that runs into spring, runs into AAA, he's going to be knocking on the door, I think, the whole season, and he's a great backup for bid uh, any injuries pop up yeah. in the organization. And, that's again, it goes back to the depth, right? The, 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 the biggest thing that I think the Cubs – 
produced in the offseason wasn't necessarily the big names. Obviously, the big names are going to yeah. get all the attention, but it's just raising the floor of what your 40-man is. Jed Hoyer mentioned it. You know, There's a lot more tougher decisions at the bottom of the 40-man. We saw in the offseason someone like Mark Leiter Jr., yeah. who had some success in the second half of 2022, had to be designated for assignment to create room on the roster. Those are the those are the decisions you want to. Be. That's the sign of a healthy organization. That's the sign of having depth and having real uh, the real ability to call on anyone when when something happens. In Brennan's case, this is a, this is a situation where if it's healthy, I mean that's like that's like a a big big yeah, name signing, it's, right? It's huge. Yeah, it's like a, it's a it's better than a Rios level thing. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right. It's like you have him in control for a really long time, and he's a great player. He's a future of your organization in some capacity, and like yeah. it'd be great. I, I really he's also just a really good dude, and I I really enjoy talking with him, and I'm definitely rooting for him as a player. What what have you seen early on from camp from him? Like it seems like at least from my perspective, when I've seen him taking hits, when I've seen him taking BP, like it seems like. It seems like he's really healthy. Like he's. It does, yeah. It seems it seems pretty good. Again, like I do feel like the the eye test might always trick you. This is right, why I'm the data right. guy, right? Right. That's right. why I want to see the data. I want to see the hard data, which is why I want to get him into spring and see how things look. But dude, the eye test to me, and like he was hitting in a group the other day with, uh, I believe it was Brent, um, um, Pete Armstrong, and Kevin yep. Al- Alcantara, and that was. You know, I didn't. I mean, he, that that might be a preview of the future of the, exactly, uh, the Cubs exactly. outfield. And, in a, and uh, he didn't miss a step. Like he looked uh, arguably probably as good as those other two. Alcantara has kind of blown my mind when I've yeah, seen him this year. But I'm right there with you. Yeah. I mean, I think when I see him, I'm like, wow, this if this guy could be if he if he's healthy and he performs like we've kind of seen, I think he's the kind of guy. And and you're you're the prospect guy, so maybe I'm <laughs> stepping over your boundaries. No, no. But he could be like a top ten prospect in baseball by the end I of the think year. So yeah, there's there's clear. You've seen him sneak onto the back half of top 100s and. I think the question there is the production side. Like, he struck out a little bit last year, and he kind of had a little tail off in the middle of the season. But, again, like, he added some weight. He's already – he was last year hitting the ball as hard as major leaguers. In a tough tough hitter's environment. Yeah, Yeah, it's like I – it's crazy for me to think that he could potentially jump up to the majors this year. But I don't think it's like – you mentioned this, too, and you put it on to me, and the more I thought about it, I think it makes sense. It's like – I don't think it's like a 0% chance he some at some point gets to the major leagues. Like, I think there's a chance he starts at South Bend – it's just hitting too good, then goes to double A, and then you run into a similar situation as you do with Morrell. Right. Where it's hitting the ball hard enough, everything underlying looks fantastic on him to the point where it's like he doesn't really need triple A. We right. saw we've seen other teams do this. Vaughn Grissom and um in Atlanta Braves, they jumped him. Various teams are kind he of started, jumping guys from He started he started in high A, Vaughn Grissom did, and now he's taking exactly. over for Danny yeah. Swanson in Atlanta. Like I think they, it's not, in baseball is like kind of maybe in that mold where there's a chance he does the same thing. This and year. and yeah. to your point, we're not saying like this is what's going to happen. I think this it's is what's predicting. Probability, but there is a probability. Exactly. exactly, and I think that's what's exciting is like you heard when when these names were acquired, or when when you're talking about prospects, you you heard about Alcantara, you heard about Pete Crow Armstrong, you heard about Brendan Davis, but they almost felt like miles and miles and miles sure. away. We're getting to the point where they're they're not too far away from no. the major leagues. No, 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 I don't think they are at all. I think I think my bet would be PCA is a guy who debuts in 2024 with the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Alcantara would be maybe right behind him to yeah. some extent. I don't know if he'd break camp. Maybe they – again, we'll see what happens. Right. Like, I think the trajectory of this year is going to be very important. I think by May, mid-May, we'll have a really good idea yeah. of a big sample of how he's hitting the ball, how he looks. Discipline-wise, is he striking out as much? Is it bigger competition that he's facing? And likely he'll start at high. It would be my best uh, best guess at South Bend. Yep. And we'll kind of go from there. Uh, another guy who was a former top prospect who's now contributing on the big league level and, and, and should contribute if he's healthy in 2023 is Adbert Alzali. I caught up with him. Let's – Take a listen to it after a message from our sponsors. Get your Wintrust exclusive debit card. Get your Cubs card. Ooh, I'll take one. How much? Actually, they pay you $300. 
You heard right. Get a $300 bonus when you open a Cubs checking account with Wintrust. Enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your Wintrust Cubs debit card. $300? What? $300? Get your exclusive card at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. We're back on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. Andy Martinez joined by Cubs pitcher Edward Alzai. Edward, how are you feeling? I'm feeling really good, really good right now. Um, first off, I want to talk about your offseason. You went to Venezuela. It's the first time in a few years, right, that you've been, and it was special because of your wife, right? Yeah, um, it was my first time in five years. Uh, going back to 2017 was the last time I was back home. So it was special. It was the first time that I took my wife back home to, to you know, to see the country, meet my family as well. So it was a really, really nice uh, month back home. Yeah, and, and what was it like for, for your families to meet? I mean, you got married here, you hadn't seen your parents. What was that What was that moment kind of like? Uh, I mean, it was it, it was special. So as soon as uh, my parents saw me, they started crying and stuff. Um, 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 it was a special moment, you know, because after you spend around like five years without seeing them, just FaceTiming them or, or texting for so long, like when you finally get to, to be there and, and, and give, give, give them a hug, it's just like you, you, you feel like, you're, you're, you're complete at that moment. I assume there was a lot of tears, a lot oh, of waterworks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it was a lot of tears that day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk about going into the season. Um, David Ross mentioned earlier in camp that you're going to be in the bullpen with Keegan Thompson. What were the conversations like with, with Rossi and Hadvi about that role? Uh, I feel the first of all, uh, I really wanted to, to, to be in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. I feel that this year we're building something uh Especially on, on, on this thing, um, um, now we have a, a lot of death um, in the uh, starting uh, side of the of the organization. So I feel that just just like like I did last year, you know, coming out of the bullpen, uh, just bringing you, your best stuff right away, r- right out of the gate, and um, and I really like that that role. I, I feel really comfortable just 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 bringing the best I I have right away. So. Uh, my whole off season uh, was in base of that. You know, I feel that uh, after the season e- 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 ended last year, uh, we we had some talks about it, um, um, uh, and I told them like uh, I wanna I wanna be like e- 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 either laying in in the game or you know I can always take the ball in the seven if you need me to finish the game in the seven through the ninth. Yeah. I can uh, do that as well. So. For me, uh, that was my mindset going into into the offseason. You know, getting my body and my arm ready to be ready to come out of the bullpen. And, and you mentioned the preparation. What I mean, previous years you've prepared to be a starter. What's the prepar- What what differently do you do in the offseason to, uh, to kind mean, of prepare for that? It, you just change my, my routine a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like I feel that as a reliever, you don't need to do too much to be ready because uh, the less throws you may and, and, and the fresher you are, like yeah. it's, it's, it's better because you're going to be uh, pitching a lot during six months. So just uh, I, I just tried like during the off season, just showing my routine a little bit, you know, I, I will come every day and, and, and start my preparation like I was getting ready for a game that day, you yeah. know, so like getting my my body used to that and I feel that uh, just the going 
going back to the off season, doing all the preparation, I feel that really helped me to be in a good position right now. What's the what's that role like when you come in in like the seventh inning, eighth inning, and you know, hey, I gotta I gotta shut the door down to, to keep my team in the game. What's that adrenaline rush kind of like? I mean, it just goes through the roof because you know, like you you you're getting where like the game is 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 on the line. You know, yeah. you're getting there when the game is on the line. So like you know, you gotta go there and attack the hitters, and and, and then just uh just come out of the bullpen and be a a shutdown guy. I feel that. Uh, does a role there. Do you feel like your stuff plays a little bit better in the bullpen? Obviously, the numbers suggest that you 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 uh, you're a little bit better in the bullpen. But do you feel like the the stuff plays a little bit more when uh, guys aren't seeing it as much? It, definitely, because I feel like you don't have to face the same guy three times in the same day. So yeah. you know that like, you don't gotta prepare a guy in the first at bat. You see, like playing the game. You know you're facing the same guy again, probably with throwing uh, running on and stuff so just coming out of the bullpen it's just a different mindset because you know like you can go four sliders in a row to this guy because yeah. you're not going to face him no more so like it's just coming out of the gate throwing your best pitches right away it's just i feel that uh i really adjust to that last year uh at the uh when i came back at the end of the season and um and i took that with me into the off season did you lean on any veterans over the last couple of years about like Hey, this is what you do to prepare. This is what it's like in the bullpen. Did you lean on anyone like that? Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, like uh, all the veteran guys we've been having around, I I always go to the to today and, and ask questions. Uh, I, for example, for this year, yesterday I was talking to uh, Michael Forma a, a, a little bit about it because uh, you know he made that transition yeah, from, yeah. from from being a starter to the bullpen too. So uh, I think like we were like pretty similar in that stuff. So we we, we had a really cool chat about it. Uh, what did he say yesterday? Like. Um, same thing like I was thinking like it didn't take him too much to to you know to get used to the bullpen it's just uh, finding your routine you know finding the, the, the perfect routine you need to be ready quick you know so yeah. it, 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 I and I feel like that's the biggest uh, change there like just finding a routine where you know you're gonna be ready right away right 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 um, at, we talked a little bit about the offseason but what was it like for you I mean uh, for fans, I'm sure they were excited, but what was it like for you when you're saying the Cubs are signing Cody Bellinger, hey, the Cubs are signing Jameson Tyon, the Cubs are signing Dansby Swanson? What was that process like, uh, and how were you following the, the, the updates and news? I mean, it's just like when you when you wake up in the morning yeah. or like through the day, you go to social media and then you start seeing all these posts about like we're getting really, really good players to the team. It just being, uh, bring more excitement to the table, you know, because you know that at that at that point you start seeing that we're really building something out here you yeah. know so like the desire to go out there to compete every single day it's just like it's just it just gets better i feel like every day it just get, 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 gets better for me when you come to the field and you see all these gold glovers around you yeah. all these guys that have a lot of success in the big leagues um, and now are playing uh with your team it's just for me my my personal opinion is just give you more desire to go out there I'm, I'm, I'm performance in spanish you call them los caballos right they're, yep. they're horses yeah you, you, their... you call them the, the caballos <laughs> the horses <laughs> yep the big guys and, and you mentioned the gold glovers i mean especially when you have dansby or nico behind dansby and nico behind you at, at short and second for you as a pitcher with the banning of the shift with the new rules what's it like knowing that hey I got those guys behind me. I mean, it's just the confidence is is through the roof because yeah. <laughs> you legit have two two gold gold golf uh, calibers playing behind yeah. you. So it's just like trusting your teammates. I'm I'm at, at that point it's just executing your pitches. You know, like if they hit the ball to them, you you know they're gonna be able to make a play. Have you set any personal goals for yourself? Like what you want to do this year? What you want to accomplish? Have you uh, have you started in that process? 
my only goal this year is to stay healthy. I yeah. feel like when I'm healthy, um, I everyone knows what I can do. Yeah. So it, that's my main goal right now, just staying healthy. The the injury you had last year is one that you is very similar to what you've had in the past. What was there anything that you tried to change or anything that you've learned throughout the process that that can help you stay healthy and, and accomplish that goal of being healthy this um, year? Yeah, to be honest, it was like pretty much the same uh, injury that I had uh, back in 2018. So it was this time around. It was like more paying attention to your body. Okay, this is the muscle that we're using too much right now. How we yeah. can adjust your mechanics and your delivery to. Uh, take uh, pressure off that muscle or, or like something like that, you know, and I feel that I put uh, some weight uh, in this in this off season. I gained uh, like around 10 to 13 pounds and my body feels uh, way better now. I feel that I can, I can, I, I have like less effort to throw the ball now. Yeah, and, and the, the, that allows you to have more success, right? When you come in, the, like, the, you, like the the confidence of like, hey, I'm healthy and I can I can do everything. That, that's not lingering in the back of your mind, I right? I mean, no, because when you know you're healthy, you know your arm is a hundred percent. Everything you like, all your pitches that, that 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 you throw, like you can throw with confidence. Then you just uh, let it eat right there. Because I I feel like when you know, like, okay, I got here with this pitch, yeah. and then you try to throw again, it's, it's it's in your back mind. But for me, like, I start just going after it from day one you know like yeah. if, if your arm is feeling good like you don't need to have that in in the back of your mind because at some point it's just gonna hunt you back you know like if you start and keep thinking about like oh if i throw this i'm gonna get hurt or something like that then when you go to 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 throw that piece you're not gonna execute it because you're gonna be thinking about it so yeah. probably you're just gonna uh, <laughs> make the pitch like softer the, the hitter can see it so how much of a learning process was that too? Like the mental side. I'm sure you probably didn't even realize some of these things that you're talking about, you know, four years ago when that for, that injury first happened, right? Oh yeah, it's, I mean, four years ago, uh, <laughs> my mind was just like get back on the field as, yeah. as, as quick as you can, you know. Like we we wasn't really paying attention to all the details, but this time around, it was more like focusing in those little muscles. For example, in the weight room, in the training room, because I'm like, we were like, okay you need to you know uh strengthen these muscles because it's gonna help you to know uh use the, the big muscle too much so uh this time around was more focused on, on on the you know on the muscles around where i got hurt so like we prevent this this injury for the future and and in the bullpen role where you're probably you could be you know multi-inning guy or one-inning guy the guy who's done that too is keegan thompson Guy, you, you kind of came up through the system. Like, have you guys talked about what you guys could be in the bullpen? Like, the, uh, the, the weapons you could be in the, in that bullpen? I mean, I just think that we don't have to talk about it too much because yeah. just you go in social media or you go out and you can hear people talking about yeah. So, and I feel uh, we have some glimpses of that last year. Yeah. The, what, what it will look like, me and Keegan uh, coming out of the bullpen. And I think, to be honest, I think it's going to be scary. Yeah. I gotta ask the million dollar question: the hair. I mean, the hair's the hair's million bucks right now. How do you keep the hair looking oh my good? God. You know, it's a lot of work. Because yeah. uh, you gotta, I gotta put this cream on on my hair like every morning, so I keep you know the afro going. And then like what I like about my hair is like it, one day it can be like an afro, and then the, yeah. the next day it can be curly. Because you know like yeah. You, you put some stuff on your hair and then you you, you can make it happen so uh it's a lot of work but uh, I love it though like I think that that's my 
identity. I feel like yeah. people like now they see me and they know who, who I am right away. Right. So I'm just I, I'm just gonna keep it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, when you get strike out, when you strike out guys or you end an inning, you gotta take off the hat a little bit <laughs> and show it off. You gotta do that. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Adbert, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, and we look forward to seeing you this year. Thank you so much, guys. It's a great interview with Adbert Alzal. I think my biggest takeaway from Adbert was just how excited and how all gung ho he was to be in the bullpen. We saw what he can do. His his ERA is almost like a three point difference from being a starter to a reliever. What are you hoping to see out of Adbert this year, out of the pen, and what he could do for the Cubs this year? Yeah, for me, the slider velocity upticked mm-hmm. as he went throughout the season, and he didn't really lose a lot of the shape on the pitch. Yep. Usually, when you when you harden up a slider like that, you drop some of that horizontal movement. He didn't do that, and the pitch just ascended into one that was really, really good. I think that's potentially the key reason why he's leveraging into a bullpen role, because that pitch makes a lot of sense to throw over 35 40% of the time to devastate right-handed hitters, and even work a little bit against left-handed hitters in terms of how much lift he gets on it. Um, So I love him in the role, and any kind of leverage role. I'm very curious to see how Ross prefers some of the back-end leverage arms like Fulmer and Boxberger and Alzali, like similar qualities, Keegan Thompson, similar qualities in terms of how they work. Brandon Hughes. Yeah, Hughes might be kind of more your lefty guy, but the, the righties in particular, even a guy like Julian Merriweather, yeah. I'm, I'm very interested to see which of these Ross prefers in what situations and, and also how that's influenced by potentially some of the R&D side of things. Like yeah. Ross has a really good mix between listening to R&D and also applying his own eye. Yeah. And that's fascinating to me to think about why Ross might like a guy in a certain role where right. the analytics might like someone else in that role. Right, yeah, it'll be interesting to follow. I think he's gonna, he could be... At the end of the season, he could be one of those X-Factors when, yeah. when it's all said and done. But that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. For Lance, I'm Andy. Thank you for listening. <laughs>